Welcome to a new episode of Dear Ruby, where we talk about Canadians' money problems. It is April 19th, 2020, six weeks into the pandemic. Here on Dear Ruby, we've been talking about um, how people are managing financially. Uh, some people have lost their jobs and are now surviving on unemployment benefits or the new emergency response benefit brought out by the federal government. Uh, some have had their hours cut back. So they are basically trying to run their lives on less money than they had six weeks ago. And some people uh, don't have an emergency fund to tap, don't have any savings, and are now wondering how they're going to get through the next few months. Um, even if they are working, they're worried maybe they might lose their job, and they're worried about how they're going to survive when that does happen. So we've been talking about the personal finance stories of the week uh, with uh, my co-host, Bo Humphreys. Say hi, Bo. Hi, everybody. How's it going? How was your week? It was a good week. Yeah, I, I had a again a lot of uh, counseling sessions. I uh, I'm an insolvency counselor, so I meet with people who have filed bankruptcy or as a consumer proposal. Those are the two options in Canada, uh, legal options. It's really a transition period right now. We're going to see how that all kind of pans out. But um, you know, people who have filed, I, I suppose. Maybe it was a good idea for them to do it before all this happened because then they don't have the debts to pay or have to worry about that. Yeah. And speaking of debts, you know, Canadians, before we started, uh, before we got into this pandemic, were already in near record debt levels. Uh, you know, uh, MNP, another insolvency a group, put out, puts out a survey every year. And last year, their survey showed that uh, almost 50% of Canadians uh, were saying that they're only a few hundred dollars away from being unable to pay all their bills. And then their updated survey this year showed that one in five Canadians say that their financial situation has uh, gone declined in the last five years. So it just kind of gives you a picture of like, of how uh, tough some people's financial situations are. Many people, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, never had the opportunity in the last 10 years, even though uh, they might have been told and they might have known that it's the best thing to do, but they might not have had the opportunity to save uh, any emergency funds or any savings on the side for a rainy day, so to speak. Um, and now they're in a situation where even if they're working, uh, they're worried whether they're actually going to have a job going into the future. If they have to go on EI, it might be a reduced income. And so they won't know, they don't know if they can pay all their bills. Um, and so like, as this pandemic moves on, we're starting to see more and more, uh, the uh, people's financial situations, how dire they are and how the government is now stepping in, um, every week with new updates to make sure that you know, Canadians don't um, feel like they're in a situation where they can't they can't feed their family, they can't pay their basic necessities. Um, and you know, again, another update this week uh, from for the from the federal government on the the, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. Well, yeah, because I think what what's happening is they're saying, okay, let's uh, give two thousand dollars to everybody, and they're like, well, wait a minute, there's some holes in there. Okay, how do we <laughs> fill those holes? Oh, we missed this. Uh, they're just like learning as they go that they're missing a lot of big chunks of Canadians in there, right? And so they're amending it bit by bit as they go. 
Yeah, and the amendment this week uh, was pretty good. Uh, one of the things that I like about it is that they're allowing those who are collecting the CERB to make up to $1,000 a month while they're collecting it. And so the reason I think that's good is because a lot of people collecting CERB are contract workers or gig workers or freelancers, so their income goes up and down in the months. And so they may have a month where they could make some money, but now they're in a situation thinking, should I make some money and then give up the CERB or what should I do? And in this case, they can do both. And for many people, especially if you're living in a big city like Toronto or Vancouver or Calgary or Montreal, $2,000 a month is not going to get you very far. So being able to go out and get another $1,000, $3,000 really is going to help people out more than, uh, you know, them trying to struggle on $1,000 less than that. And for some, they're the sole earner. So if their salary has been reduced or they've lost their job or whatever it is, um, they may need that, you know, a little bit more than $2,000 a month to pay all their bills and take care of their family. Yeah. And, you know, some people uh, may even be sick. Like, you know, we, we talk about this a lot um, about, you know, let's survive during this when we can't uh, do a lot of things. But there is this added level of maybe you can't work at all. And so that's why these benefits are, are really important for someone who can't even get out of bed uh, for a week or two. Yeah. So, I mean, the CERB, if you are, if you are sick with COVID-19 and you're, you've been off work, if you qualify for unemployment insurance, that's your first place that you should apply. Uh, the CERB is really meant for those workers who are either sick with COVID-19 or are taking care of somebody who has COVID-19 or have lost their jobs because of business being slowed down because of COVID-19. Um, that's where the CERB comes in. Uh, I, I read some stat that 7 million Canadians have applied for CERB and EI combined. And if that's the case, that's almost 40% wow. of the workforce. <laughs> so that's, that's so many people. Yeah. I mean, that is just, that's astounding. I think in some cases people have applied and it's very clear on the website too. People have applied for both. They've accidentally applied for EI and CERB. So the numbers I think still need a little bit of analysis. Uh, but the, I mean, the point is, is that millions of Canadians every week are joining the unemployment uh, work uh, unemployment group. And that is, uh, that's a really scary thought going forward, because it's, it's not just about the fact that we're isolating and people are not working, but it's then, you know, that sort of mental health aspect, we've been talking a little bit about people feeling like, when am I going to get back to work? How am I going to look for work? Uh, those things can then start to really um, weigh on people and affect them in different ways, because they just feel like they're in this situation where they can't do anything, but what they're what's happening is not enough as well. Yeah, because the first question I ask people, you know, when uh, at the beginning of their counseling session is, so what's your work situation? Is it still the same? Has it changed? Uh, you know, give me the update. And a lot of people say if they've been laid off, actually, the majority of people have been laid off, um, at least temporarily. And, you know, I say, will you be, will you expect to get your job back if this all, you know, when this all is, uh, resolved if there's such a such a thing if that <laughs> sort of resolution to this and they they mostly say yes but but a lot uh, they also don't know right ever it's all up in the air right so you assume you're gonna get your job back but will there be any money uh will the can your company or whatever it is you do for work will they will they be able to survive this these are the uh, additional questions yeah, exactly. And so companies are telling employees, and I spoke to someone this week that said that she's basically been laid off, but with benefits. So the company is still giving her medical and dental benefits if she needs okay. them. 
Um, but she's collecting EI and with the idea that she will be back at work once this is all over. But she herself is questioning whether the company is going to have the, the, the means to hire her back. Um, you know, she, she's an executive at a company, so she ha- obviously gets a great salary. Um, she is grateful that she's been able to save some money on the side. She's not struggling financially. The EI obviously is going to help a little bit too. Uh, but she's, you know, she's pretty prepared for losing her job at the end of this. She's really grateful that the, the benefits have continued because if you get sick and you need to get prescriptions, all that will be covered and your hospital stay if you want to, I mean, hopefully that doesn't get to that, but anything that you might need extra, like if you want a private room, all that will be covered with her benefits. But, um, you know, she was kind of laughing, like, what, what's the point of dental benefits? You can't even get into a dentist. But I mean, I guess they're, That's still, right. they're still saying that. But um, just to go over some of the changes with CERB, uh, the, not changes, rather updates that were given. So the $1,000 a month is a new update where you can earn that much if you're collecting CERB. Um, it's also now extended to seasonal workers who have exhausted their EI regular benefits. So if you're someone who works in the summer and then is off in the winter and you were expecting to go back in the summer to your seasonal job, you can now qualify for the CERB because you wouldn't have all those hours for EI, but you can yeah. get CERB. And it's I like also, that change. That's yeah. A good one. And that, so that really helps out even uh, students who may be coming back and had the expectation that they would work over the summer so they can now. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's helping anybody who's exhausted their EI benefits. So say you were laid off last last uh, May, and now your regular EI benefits are coming to an end because you get them for a year, you could then go on CERB because you're not going to be able to go out there and find a job right now, most likely, uh, in your field. So they will allow you to collect CERB until until things uh, get back to normal or you're able to find a job. So those are some good updates uh, to the benefit that I think Canadians should be well aware of. Again, you know, always go to Canada.ca to get the up-to-date information because even though we record this on Sundays, things change very quickly day to day during the week. And so you should know exactly uh, what the what what the deal is. And a lot of people have been emailing me asking, do I qualify for CERB? And it's mm. a really good question. My answer is always the same. Go on the website and answer the questions honestly, because it will tell you if you don't qualify. I've done the I've done the application as far as I could. It, you know, it asks you very pointed questions like, how much were you working? Are you self employed? Are you a full time worker? Like you can, as long as you're answering honestly, it will tell you whether you qualify or not. Now, if you fudge your answers and you get the CERB next year, the CRA can ask you why were you collecting CERB when you clearly were making money in these months. But that's you know, that's for you to answer to next year when you file your taxes. And somebody mentioned to me too, that there, like, there is a possibility of misunderstanding if some people go and apply. So there is that risk. So just be really careful about like making sure you answer the questions uh, accurately. I, I mean, that's really, it, it, it does fall on you. Um, if you, for some reason don't qualify and i don't i don't necessarily like the way that that works because that happens uh, when people get overpayments uh for child tax benefit and things like that is that they just answered a questionnaire um i just wonder if this you know we're gonna have people fall through the cracks even though it seems like if you answer truthfully you should be fine yeah, exactly. And it's just like EI. If you go on EI, you are allowed to make a certain amount of money every week without having your EI clawed back. So if you're being dishonest, they can also question that. So this is not just about CERB. This is about any benefit that you collect. If you're not following the rules, CRA can question you, you know, at the end of, as to what was happening at this time when you were collecting this benefit. 
and 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 deal with you at that point. The only way they they do their checks is during tax time when you file all your financial information. So people believing that they should be audited now for all their information, that's not going to happen. Things are moving way too quickly. So you really got to just be honest with well, yourself. Yeah, like yeah, like we said last week, it's just same as doing your taxes. I just filed yeah. my taxes yesterday, you know, getting a couple of thousand. Good uh, for back. you, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, do, do it if you know you're going to get a refund. Do it as soon as you can because, uh, you know, just to get money when you need it. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, if I'm audited, that's when they're going to verify that stuff, just like any other year, right? Now, I, I, I'm very diligent because I have financial background. Um, but a lot of people trust others to do that. I mean, it's tough, right? It's tough when you trust uh, other people to uh, do financial things for you. And then really the penalty comes back to you. So really for this thing, just make sure you know uh, know your stuff and, and read a lot about it before you uh, go ahead. Before. Yeah. So, and, and the, the, the uh, filing your taxes is a great tip. A lot of people have been asking me, um, how can I survive the next few months? Um, you know, I have no emergency money. I'm on EI. It's not enough to cover all my bait, you know, all my costs. So there are certain things you can still do uh, proactively. Uh, one, number one is, of course, if you are owed money from the government uh, for your in your taxes, uh, rather from the CRA, uh, file your taxes. And that yeah. money, normally I would tell people, put it in your RRSP. But in this case, I'd say spend it on the things that you need to buy, like groceries and essentials. Yeah, you don't keep need it in the bank account. Keep yeah. it in the bank account. Um, you can also defer payments. Just make sure that you're aware of how much those deferrals cost. So mortgage deferral is in the thousands. It's not a cheap. It's not a cheap thing to do. But if you need, if your problem is cash flow, like you just need money in hand so you can buy those things, that is going to improve that situation immediately because you won't have to make your mortgage payment. You can get a break on your premiums for your for your car insurance. We talked about that last week as well. But I, yeah, yeah, I did that too. I did. I, it was a quick online form uh, for my insurance company just to bring it down by thirty percent. I think for the next three months. Ah, I'm going to so do that. That was today. great. Yeah, yeah, I haven't done that yet. I'm going to do that today. That's that's a very good tip. The, the, the fact that these things are happening quickly, I think, is giving people a lot of hope because nobody wants to spend hours on an application. And um, uh, that's one of the uh, one of the uh, criticisms I have for Ontario, the government of Ontario, because I've applied for a couple of things and they are taking their time getting the money oh. into account. And they're also asking for a lot of verification. And I think, you know, for me, it's OK. Uh, but for people who really need that money today, I mean, that's just not, that's not good. They should have so what, what category of thing in Ontario. So they're giving a, a money for people who have been affected by um, the fact that kids are at home and learning. So there is, I can't remember the exact name of the credit. I can pull yeah, it up. Yeah, I saw that, the fa the families thing. And I, I don't, I was wondering, it doesn't look like I qualify as not having a kid in school. Am I, am I right well, about that? It's zero to 12. So I think you can apply. But then it said to name the school uh, or the school board, you know? And so I was just yeah. wondering, um, yeah, so I'm going to look closer into that because it does appear to be, it did say childcare, but when I looked into it, I, I couldn't fill it out exactly. So I was wondering. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, maybe, maybe it is just for kids who are in public school. It's called support for families program. Yeah. And really it's, you know, families who have now had to go out and spend money to get their kids set up for online learning. So whether you have to sure. buy them a computer or you had to get them, you know, some sort of technical, because most kids are doing it online. And as you know, that is a big barrier for those families that don't have, uh, that don't have money uh, to go and buy tech for their kids. I mean, that's just simply not possible, especially if they've lost their jobs or are facing income loss in some way.
Yeah, and, and my 15-month-old doesn't need an iPad or anything. So that's, that's probably another re, another uh, piece of evidence that maybe it's not for me, um, more more so for, for your kids, for example. Yeah, yeah. So th this is, um, you know, these are all things that families can do to, to survive the next few months. Um, then, you know, we were talking about the deferrals. We're talking about all the government benefits. Um, you know, it, it's important right now to also stay away from the online sales. I don't know if you've gone online, but they're pretty deep, the discounts on some of the sites. And because companies are trying to sell their products and because of all the lost revenue of people not going into the mall or going into their shops. And so, you know, go to any clothing store or any, any store that's deemed non-essential at this point, they are offering really, really deep discounts and it can be really enticing. I mean, they're sending me emails like, you know, improve your at-home comfortable work wardrobe. So they're trying to sell me all these like cozy clothes or improve the way your home office looks during your video conferencing calls. And so art wow. stores are trying to sell like, you know, pieces of art. To, so, and these things do cross my mind. I'm like, wow, I'd like to really improve the way that my uh, office looks. And if, if you, if you get that email, you might spend a couple of hundred bucks for to get a nice, piece of art to put behind you. I, those things are not necessary right now. I mean, who, it doesn't matter what it looks like behind you. Just You just need to get through and um, survive the next few months, not buy any of those extras. Yeah, especially. I mean, if you don't have any disposable income right now, it's not it's not the time, right, to, to buy all these newfangled uh, work-at-home things. Um, the, the necessary things, like I had to order a long cable from Amazon because it's the only place that I could get it and I needed it really quickly. I don't like that I had to do that though. Yeah, but I mean, th that's fine. Those things are necessary, but a lot of people are buying very, like even, you know, with me having two kids, like we're, we're really trying to keep them entertained. And one of the best ways is to buy them a new toy they can play with for a few days. But that's a really expensive um, exercise if you do that over and over again. I just happen to have these uh, little pop-up tents in the basement that we hadn't broken out yet. It's perfect time. <laughs> for to set up a little tent uh, for Henry, so Perfect. happy to have that. Perfect. So uh, this week, uh, the uh, mayor of uh, Toronto, John Tory, um, talked about you know the the cost that coronavirus is going to um, be to the city, and the numbers are pretty stark. I mean, he came out and said the pandemic could cost the city of Toronto between one point five and two point seven six billion dollars. Uh, you know, depending on how long it lasts, depending on how much our healthcare system is affected, depending on how deep the government measures are. Um, and so really kind of pleading to uh, the federal government that, you know, Toronto is going to need help because Toronto is the biggest city in Canada. It's the economic engine of Canada. All, you know, services, financial services come out of the city and that this city needs special attention because um, without it running, the rest of Canada is not going to run properly either. And so I thought that was a pretty bold statement because normally, you know, Torontonians try to stay away from being the center of Canada. Uh, but I think he pretty clearly was saying it in his in his um, plea to the federal government that, you know, we are very important to the economy in Canada and you need to take care of us because it's costing us, you know, in the billions of dollars uh, of lost revenue. And that then translates to um, tax revenue that isn't collected. I mean, if jobs aren't up and running again in Toronto, there's, you know, m millions of dollars that are not going to be going into federal coffers. Like all those things are then just like a snowball effect. And to, to just bring it uh, down to the the weekly, which he does uh, at, uh, at the end of of the article here, he's saying 65 million a week uh, is what it costs, and 20 million of that is the loss of the TTC revenue. Yeah, and that's that's huge. 
Yeah. And, and I know there's, they're still operating, right? Because essential workers. Yeah, they are still operating. I know they're operating on um, reduced schedules. But even, I mean, I live in Oakville, and it's not exactly a city known for public transit. The public transit system is still running. I see the bus all the time. Yeah, and I'm just by my house in Hamilton, too. Yeah, and it makes me wonder. I mean, I know when I see that one person on the bus, I realize why they're doing it, because that person would not be able to get to their job without the bus. Uh, but at the same time, can they think of a better solution? Like, could they do like almost like a, a call service where people who needed public transit could, you know, call ahead and book a tra book a ride? Like, would that even be possible rather than just running it like as if it's everything is normal and that this route is going to be, uh, you know, have a lot of passengers? It, it feels like they're wasting a lot of money running these these trains and buses when nobody is taking them. Unlike we've talked about before, you know, this change, this whole global change is going to affect the way that we do things. So maybe, yeah, maybe that's going to be the future of, um, you know, bus routes. You know, we're all going to have the ability to call for the bus or let them know our intention. And that's how they're going to be able to schedule their routes. Like maybe that's the future uh, where, you know, so that we can bring the resources down. Right that because the, we they can't base anything right now on past activity right uh, because it changes so quickly you can't say oh we'll put these uh, on sunday people ride less well every day is sunday yeah exactly exactly they should they should treat every day like a holiday sunday basically because that's what exactly. it is exactly yeah i agree i agree um, one of the other big numbers out this week is home sales. I know we touched on it kind of last week about real estate prices. You know, real estate agents are still out there saying, "Oh, prices are still going to go up at the end of the uh, at the end at the end of the year." Um, there was a press release I got in my email uh, this week from a, a big real estate company, and they were saying how you know prices are going to uh, home prices are still going to rise this year. And so I asked them to give me the data, like where where'd you get that from, right? And they never got back to me. And then lo and behold, it was in the news newspaper uh, the next like an after a couple of days talking about how um, you know prices are going to go up across the country especially in cities like Toronto and it was the same person quoted and I'm thinking you know you, the, they never gave the data to, to prove this there it's just their opinion I mean of course real estate agents are going to say prices are going to go up because that's their business they don't want to they don't want to always think they don't want to ever think negatively they always want to think positively but the numbers from Korea are showing that home sales fell 14% in March because people are just simply not going out there and buying homes and that eventually is going to translate to lower prices across the country well yeah what's the, like what was the logic there for oh yeah it's all just going to keep going up uh, by the end of the year i don't i don't understand like people not only have less money but uh, they're, yeah, they're not in the position of moving anywhere or, uh, you know, looking at other places to live. Everyone's in survival mode right now. Uh, maybe I don't understand the real estate uh, market. Yeah, I mean, I think real estate agents and mortgage brokers and those people who are in the real estate industry are really saying because of the low interest rate, people are still going to be able to afford more to to, to buy those houses. And so with, you know, the overnight uh, rate at 0.25% and banks have, uh, have also reduced primes so people can borrow more now for less, uh, their theory is, is that once this is over, people will feel comfortable going out and buying. But if those numbers, like we talked about at the beginning, 7 million Canadians yeah, being out of work. I mean, that's 7 million Canadians that are not looking for a home at the end of this year. They are all trying to fix their financial situation when they finally do get back to work because inevitably many of them are going to be in more debt than when they started. And a house is going to be the last thing on their mind, especially bidding on a house more and more. Maybe if they can get a great deal 
uh, they might uh, they might get into the housing market. Uh, the average price, though, they said still you know was was pretty much solid at. Five hundred and forty thousand uh, dollars. That was pretty unchanged since February, but the, you know the pandemic really only affected the last two weeks of March. So I think the real data is going to come out April, May, and June when people when this really starts to sink in. Yeah, it, it makes you realize that we're still just in the beginnings of this. It feels like you said six weeks at the beginning. It feels like six years, but also it's it's almost it's like no time at all. Really, it's really hard to know where this is headed. Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of people thinking we can reopen things and get back to normal. I think that's really naive because, um, you know, if even if you look at the, the the influenza pandemic in 1918, that lasted almost two years. It lasted uh, 23 months. And that was a time when people didn't travel as easily, too. So it wasn't it was harder for the virus to go from one place to the next. We you know we still have people traveling across the country so they could bring it from somewhere else in the country. We still have international travel happening at some level if, with people with people being able to fly home to their home countries. Um, there's also uh, the fact that it hasn't really arrived in densely populated areas uh, like slums of India and places in Africa and so there's also yeah, this concern. Yeah, they're behind us on the curve, right? The, I mean, I'm just looking at Twitter now. Total cases in, in the continent of Africa surpassed 20,000. There's 2.3 million cases in the world. And Africa is just getting started, it seems. And Africa is a really um, important point because, um, you know, people can still travel from there to other places just because it's on one continent and you've eradicated it in Canada. If it's still on one continent, it's still everywhere. Bob Ray put it really nicely in a, in a tweet thread that he did. He said, if it's if it if coronavirus is in one place of the world, it's in every place of the world. And that's just, I, I think I'm not quoting him directly, but it, that was his point was that until we have a vaccine, and until we know that everybody is safe, we cannot go back to normal. Because if you ask me now to go to the mall and go to a concert, I wouldn't want to go. I'm not. I don't feel safe. I'm not going to do that. Right. Exactly. Um, so it, it really comes down to when a vaccine is found is when people are going to feel. And I think people need to just let that sink in and financially also manage their expectations of what's going to happen in the next eighteen months. Yeah, because as you said, even if the everything was lifted tomorrow, like, would I want to go to that gathering? And and depending on on your age and your uh your you know a lot of people are uh, more immunocompromised than others, right? So if somebody's having a wedding. Oh, everything's fine. And they're like, well, but I feel like I'm still at risk. I can't come to your wedding. You know that kind of thing. That that everybody's going to be different in this. And so, yeah, we'll just take it as as it goes, right? Yeah, and. Uh you know, everybody wants to get back to normal. Like nobody is going to say, I really enjoying this isolation, not being able to work and being at home. Um, but we have to do it sensibly. We can't just make more people sick and we can't exhaust our healthcare system uh, to the point where it collapses, which is happening. We already are seeing it happen in places like Italy, New York, uh, you know, specific places are dealing with it at a, at a level where if it happened all over the world, I mean, the economic uh, impact of that alone would be devastating. We, it would take years for us to get back. They're already saying that the the global economy is going to shrink, I believe they said, by 3 to 4% in 2020 because of coronavirus, which is huge because usually mm. the global economy grows by 2 to 3%. So it's like we're yeah. losing 6% of productivity uh, globally. Um, and those numbers are different depending on where you live. I mean, in Canada, they're saying that the, the Second quarter, so that's the quarter that started um, in April, we're going to see our economy contract by up to 30%. So that is 
We've, it's unprecedented. We've never seen that happen before because people are at home and not working and the economy has basically come to a screeching halt. And so we've never seen this before. Not, not, in, not in our lifetime. No, I mean, in 2008, 2009, things definitely slowed down. People were, and there was a different kind of um, worry, uh, but uh, people were more uh, concerned about just being a little bit frugal, not getting into too much debt. Uh, you could still go out there and get a job. I mean, jobs were, of course, pe people were losing their jobs, but you could still go out and get a job. You were, yeah, there were you know, some jobs. <laughs> yeah, but now there's, you know, even retail or these jobs that, you know, are usually, you can get quite easily just to get by. They're not available at all. I mean, any, I mean every, everyone is just sitting at home and waiting for this to end. Speaking of ending. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place. That's a good place to end. Uh, so, you know, uh, if you have any questions that you want Bo and I to answer, please go to dearruby.com, D-E-A-R-R-U-B-I.com. It's a really easy way to get in touch with us. You can send us an email or you can add a question and we'll try to answer it. I've been getting mostly questions about CERB, so I, I, I try to try to touch on that every single week because yeah. people are still quite confused as to how it works and if it if it's um, if it's for them. Yeah, let's keep doing this every week. The, the, you know, just keep adding on and talking about reinforcing these things. Yeah, I mean, we're in financial survival mode, and uh, hopefully, these conversations help people who um, who are trying to get through day by day, really, right now during this pandemic. All right, and well, I'll see you next week then. Yeah, thanks so much, Bo. Thanks to everyone who's been listening. Please get in touch with us at dearruby.com, and we will have a new episode for you next week. Take care till then.